Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading this morning comes from John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. This story has riveted people for a long time. It's one that where Jesus shows his compassion, where he shows his wisdom. We see the Jewish authorities trying to trap Jesus. Now, this story, you usually don't see people trying to trap Jesus in John's gospel. This is something you'll see in the other gospels, like the gospel of Mark and other places where the Jews try to trap Jesus on paying taxes to Caesar. Uh, And they try to get Jesus to slip up and say something they could use against him. And their purpose is they're, they're trying to do two things. They're either going to make the people turn against Jesus because of his popularity. They don't like that at all. They want the people to turn against Jesus or they will use the Romans to take him out of the way. So if they can get him to trip up with the Romans and have the Romans step in and kill him, or if they can get the Jewish people to turn on him, then they will have accomplished their purpose. So this is a story where that is their, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to turn the people against him, or they're trying to get him to say something to get the Roman authorities to take Jesus out of the way. Now, if you're looking at a newer Bible, you're going to notice that you'll have a footnote possibly for this story, and it'll say something like, Uh, Chapter 7, verse 53 through chapter 8, verse 11 is not found in the earliest manuscript. So there's some debate about, was this part of of the original gospel of John? Some manuscripts have it, others do not. And so some scholars that that study uh, the transmission of our text, and they spend their whole life with this, they say, okay, well, this was not in the earlier manuscript. So we know that this story circulated. We know it was used by the church. We know it was very important to the church. And in this podcast, we're not going to take that question up. We're just going to assume that it's in the Gospel of John and and go through. Because I think there's there's a lot of power in what happens in this passage. It's very applicable to our own times. Uh, it's, It's just, I don't know, it's a story that has always resonated with me. The heart of Jesus and the wisdom of Christ coming through in this particular passage. So we're going to take it up nonetheless. I'm going to read this to you. Uh, this is Jesus coming out of the Feast of Tabernacles. Remember from last week, uh, John 7. So this could be continuing the Feast of Tabernacles. We're not real sure when this story happens. It could be the next day after the feast. We just don't know. But we're going to pick up this story of the woman caught in adultery. John 8, 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in his midst. They said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and sin no more. Fascinating passage. And it is so Uh, applicable to our time. And I'll explain why in just a minute. So Jesus is there teaching. The Jewish authorities bring this woman 
to him that's been caught in the act of adultery. Now, we don't know where the accusers are. We don't know if they're with the Jewish authorities or not, but under the Mosaic law, you would have to face your accusers. You could not be accused of a crime unless there were witnesses and you got to face your accusers in a Jewish court. So we don't know where the accusers have gone to. And so they tell Jesus, listen, Moses said someone caught in adultery should be killed. They should be stoned. Now, there's one problem with this because both parties should be stoned. So where's the man is the question some would ask. So right now, we know they're not playing straight up with this situation. They don't bring the man. It also tells us in verse 6, they're doing this to test him. They don't really care about this woman. Their motives are horrible. So they're coming to test Jesus. And here's where the test lies. If Jesus says, do not stone this woman, then they could turn to the people and say, look, he's a charlatan. He's a fake. He is not doing what the law of Moses requires. But if he says we should stone this woman, then they could go to the Roman authorities because it was illegal for the Jews to execute someone without Roman permission. And we know under Roman law, adultery was not a reason to execute someone. Now, I am not trying to, to draw direct parallels to from Judaism to Islam, so please don't hear it this way. But it would be like now, today, if uh, a group of Muslims in, in a country where there was a constitution and a law that was greater than, than Islamic Sharia law, if a group of Muslims got together and executed someone based on Sharia law, the law of that land would have real issues with that. Uh, possibly that those people would be tried for murder. Uh, this is very similar. Under Roman law, you could not execute someone for adultery. So if they do this, first of all, they got to have permission from the Romans. Secondly, the Romans would have been abhorred by this. As bad as they were, as brutal as the Romans were, this is not something they executed people for. So this, they're, they're trying to get Jesus in a pinch. They're trying to get him in hot water. They're going to try to get the people to turn against him if he says the wrong thing, if he violates the law of Moses. Then if he says, hey, kill this woman, uh, and that will make the people mad, then you're going to have the Romans getting involved, and Jesus could be considered a traitor. And, and so they're really shrewd in what they're doing. But Jesus, his answer is brilliant, and it's right. Um, he, he writes on the ground with his finger. Now, we could go back and think, okay, there was a place where God did that when he wrote the, the law tablets. Now, here's one theory what's happening. If you think back to the place in the Old Testament where God wrote with his finger, of course, that's the, the Ten Commandments. Maybe Jesus is writing down commandments that these guys have violated in particular, that he knows. And so that would be powerful as he's writing down the very commandments they're guilty of. They would see that. that that's one possibility. Another possibility would be a Roman judge many times would write down his sentence, his final say before he would articulate it. So some would say, well, people in the first century would understand Jesus is about to give his judgment. He's writing his judgment first. He's writing his acquittal of this woman, then he's going to share it again. The only problem with that theory is it doesn't explain why he writes on the ground the second time. So there is some credence to this principle of first mention in Scripture. When you hear something that sounds familiar, you've heard it before, someone writing with their finger, and John has made it clear that Jesus is God in flesh. God writing with his finger would line up with the idea of the, the Ten Commandments, the law. So maybe he's writing commandments down that these people have violated in particular. If, if that's the case, that, that's pretty brilliant too, if you consider it. But he acquits this woman and he, and he asks, okay, go on and stone her. But, but here's the caveat. 
he who is without sin, throw the first stone. I mean, if you guys are the accusers, which one of you is, is blameless before the law? Who's going to be able to do that? And so in essence, Jesus is going to the very heart of the matter. He, he is looking into their heart. Their hearts are not right. They are sinful in what they do. They've already violated the law by not bringing the man. Their motives are wrong. Their heart is wrong. And so Jesus calls them out. And we see that they leave from the oldest to the youngest. And that could be some indication. The older people are wise and realize, you know what? He's right. He's right. He's got something here. And so the older ones leave first. Then Jesus, we forget this part, tells the woman, Jesus does not just exonerate and go, man, adultery is great. That's wonderful what you did. No. He says, I don't condemn you, but go from now on and sin no more. Stop what you're doing. So he extends grace and mercy, but then demands repentance. And we need to remember that because throughout the Gospels, you're going to see that pattern with Jesus. He will extend grace. He will extend mercy, but he also commands us to repent of our sins. So that's that's an important part too. But why I think this is important for our time is I see this a lot where People want to just glory in other people's sin and transgression. And when someone messes up, and it doesn't matter if they tweeted something out or put something on social media 10 years ago, if it comes out in today's press, everyone is picking up stones to metaphorically stone this person and kill them, assassinate their character. I just find it interesting that some of the most non-compassionate and judgmental judgmental people are, are people that would not be believers. We hear all the time that Christians are are judgmental people, that Christians have no compassion or mercy. But I find that as this culture becomes more and more pagan, you see a lot of this shaming in public. There's this deep sense where people get outraged. Maybe they're outraged because they haven't dealt with their own sin. And so they project that out onto others. And we have this this culture of outrage where We want to drag people out in the public square and just assassinate their character and show no compassion, no mercy for anyone at all. In either party, on either sides of the cultural debate in America today, we have no compassion for anyone when they mess up. And as Christians, we should recoil from that and go, that's not the way of Christianity. We are people that do show grace and mercy. And we do talk about people having second chances. So I do find it quite ironic that Christians are accused of that, that we have people say, well, we're intolerant, we're judgmental, but it seems to be progressive society is much more judgmental and much more condemning than Christians ever wanted to be. So just think about that. I thought as I read through that passage, how timely is that for our own time? As people just don't know how to behave when decorum in public debate. Well, let us remember, we're out of time and I'm not going to go back and read our passage again, but let's just remember the, the heart of our Savior. That when people do get caught in transgression, let's extend mercy and grace and extend to them the repentance that they can find in Jesus Christ. And people should get second chances, I believe, in this world. But I hope you have a great week. I hope these podcasts are encouraging you as we go through the Gospel of John. I would love to see you back tomorrow.